Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we try that one again? Greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are we glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Can I start by also greeting the youth? Youth, may you all stand up, because this is your month. All, all the youth, both young and old. <laughs> by the way, we've got what we call young youth and elderly youth. As long as you know you are a youth somewhere, somehow. And even those of you who are youth at heart, because sometimes you find there are others who say, uh, maybe I already have a child, but I still feel like I'm a youth. You're still a youth at heart then. Amen. Amen. So I just want to say I appreciate you. I love you. And may you continue to shine. Even the days that we're living in, when people say the youth of nowadays like this and like this, like this. Let them not be talking about you. Amen. Keep the light shining to say there are some youth who are still like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who would not bow to whatever was happening during their time, but they set an example. You may be seated. Today it's also Father's Day. May I ask all the fathers to stand up? Amen. I want to say I salute you fathers. And thank you for being here as fathers. Many fathers usually they think they know. And they don't even attend church. That's why we've got the kind of world that we have today. Is We've got a problem of unguided fathers. Amen. Amen. But I thank God for fathers like you. Who are ready to be taught. Who want to know what kind of father the father wants us to be. You may be seated. Amen. I actually want to start there. <coughs> where I started with the fathers, sometimes I think the problem of gender-based violence that we're hearing and also the problem where you find a father, instead of protecting and caring for the family, they are the kind of fathers who are hating families. Other time I saw a picture of child, I think that girl probably could have been nine years old, and the father had hit that child with a hammer and the brain was coming out. The child was dead. I thought, what kind of fathers are these? You would hear of fathers who abuse their children, who abuse their wives, fathers who are harsh and not good fathers. And I say, it seems the problem there is usually because men think they know and they are unguided. Like I said, I think our problem today is that of unguided fathers. 
So it seems the position of being a father was supposed to be a blessing. Because you know that God is called our father in heaven. Which means we've got fathers on the earth. And I believe fathers on the earth were supposed to emulate our heavenly father. Amen? Amen. Want us to go together to the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to start there. And I want to show us the kind of father fathers that we should be learning from our heavenly father and then we can be if we can be fathers like our heavenly father imagine if every father was aspiring to be like father God we would have such a good community you might have even noticed even in churches the majority of people is not fathers. Fathers sometimes may even come and drop the wife and the children. They are coming to say they drop you there because they think they know. So next time when you find fathers like that, you need to tell them our problem today is that of unguided fathers. Because how are you going to be a kind of a father if you don't want to learn from our heavenly father? Because even I as the pastor, I need to learn from our Heavenly Father. And I set an example what a father should be like. And then the rest of you also, you might learn from me, you might also learn from our Heavenly Father. But we should then be the kind of fathers who the Father would be proud about. That you didn't take my title in vain. Imagine you were God and you are called the Father in Heaven. You would have wanted the fathers on the earth to be like you. To represent, so that when we mention that name father, people would be excited. Amen? So I want to show you the heart of the father from the Bible. And then we can learn what kind of fathers we should be. So that even when people say they want to appreciate us, let them not be appreciating us because they are obligated to. Let them really see a reason to appreciate us. Deuteronomy 5.29 Amplified Classic. I always like this verse when I start talking about the heart of the Father because I can see that God wants things to go well with us. Like any other father. Okay. Can I ask... Abna and blessing, you guys are here. May you stand up? By the way, I'm also a father. Those are my two sons. My two daughters are in other provinces. And as a father, don't you think it's my wish that things go well with them? Don't you think it's my wish that they should live right so that I can be proud? Because they represent me. So you may be seated. So similarly, our Heavenly Father wants to have the same feeling I have about them, about us. To say those are representing me. They reflect my nature. When people talk about fathers, those are the kind of fathers that are not defiling my name. Deuteronomy 5.29 in the Amplified Classic, look at the heart of the Father. He says, oh, 
that they had such a heart and mind in them always reverently to fear me and keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them and with their children forever. You see what the Father wishes for us. It was the time when the Israelites were doing things right. And he says, oh, that they would just such, have such hearts and such minds that walk in my ways and keep my commandments that it may go well with them and with their children forever. That is the wish of the Father. That is the love of the Father for us. And he also wants us that even when we are here on the earth, he wants us to rule like him. When he says, oh, that they would have such a heart, that things may go well with them. You know that this world can be very cruel. Mm. It's a very cruel world that we have. And it doesn't, even if you are a child of God, the world will still want to be cruel to you. You just have to know how to put the devil under your feet. Because if you don't, you will be just a casualty like anybody else. I like what Samson said when he was asked where is his strength and the strength is in his hair. You remember he was playing games with that lady and keeping on saying my strength is this, if you do this, if you do this. The last time when he had to tell her exactly where the strength was from, he said, I've been a Nazarene from Beth and my hair has never been shaved, so my strength is in my hair. If my hair can be shaved, I will become ordinary like anybody else. Those words touched me. Which means he acknowledged that because of the nature of God in him, the power of God in him, he was not ordinary like anybody else. Even the kind of power that he had, that was supernatural because of the God in him. So it means, if we have to be like the Father, Look at this. Look, chapter 12, verse 32, King James Version. I want to show you the heart of the Father, and we're going to learn and really see that this world would be a different world if we had fathers who are guided. So when I say that our country and our world is facing a problem of unguided fathers, and it's more so because fathers think they know. Even those of you who have husbands who are not here, they are not here because they think they don't know. They think they actually know better than you who is in church. Have you noticed that? They think they know better. But I want us to learn from our Heavenly Father, who is the Father, the owner of the name. Jesus says when he's encouraging his disciples in Luke 12, 32, King James Version, he says, Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay. So when he says it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, we heard the father says, I want it to go well with them. But it also pleases the father for us to rule and to have dominion. Like when he created us in the beginning, he said, let us create man in our image. Let them have dominion. He wants us to rule. So go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And Mr. MJ, you're going to read this one for us in Amplified Classic. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to show you that the title of a father emanated from God being our father. And therefore, as fathers, 
there's a very great responsibility upon our shoulders to be the kind of fathers that people will feel the world is safe with us. And as a father, you probably have more strength than your children or than your wives. And that strength was not meant to dominate them. It was meant to protect them. Amen? Those big arms of yours were supposed to be for hugging and for protecting, not for punching them. Amen? Yes. Imagine how powerful our God is. And if he was using his power to punch us, it would be a problem, isn't it? He uses his power to defend us. Jehovah is your name, mighty in battle, mighty warrior. He is there to protect us, to defend us. Now, Mr. MJ, look for us in Ephesians chapter 3, 14 and 15 in the Amplified Classic. For this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, just that part. I saw something about him bowing the knees before the Father. So he's acknowledging the Father. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. I know in African culture, we also bow our knees before our fathers. In Western culture, it's said to be, you can't do that. And he says, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I respect this Father. But look, continue. For whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Yeah, now that, look at that. Yeah, that, that father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. Amen. Amen. That father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. So when you say somebody is a father, he got that name from our Father God. So the title of being a father is emulating the title that our Father has in heaven. So, I know we're talking about it's Father's Day, but I want us to look at the kind of fathers, and then we also learn what the father should be like, and also we learn, those of us who are not fathers, we are also going to learn, because when you come to church, it can't be that it's Father's Day, and we're only talking about fathers, but we must also say, I was in church. I have a heavenly father. What does the heavenly father say of me? How do I view my heavenly father? Amen. So I want us to learn some of the traits of a father. From We can go to what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. From verse 9 to verse 13 in the NIV. We usually like this prayer. We learned it, most of us, when we were still... Actually, when you start as a child, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We knew that prayer by heart. But I want us to look at this and learn something. And I just want to say on that very same point, have you ever noticed that the way that Jesus related to the Father, he never related to him as God, except the time when he was on the cross when he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the only time he talked the word God. He always referred to his father as my father. A relationship. Amen? 
my father. So now, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13 NIV, it says, This then is how you should pray. I like how it's put in the NIV and in this version. Because it doesn't say, this is what you should pray. Did you see that? This is how you should pray. There's a difference between how you should pray and what you should pray. If we say this is how you should pray, it sets a framework for you how to pray. Okay? If it says this is what you should pray, then it tells you what to say. So he says when we pray, we should pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Okay. Now when you say our Father in heaven, he's distinguishing him from our Father on earth. Because he could have just said our Father. Hallowed be thy name. So he says, say our Father in heaven. So, it means we've got fathers on the earth. And that's why when it's Father's Day today, I would plead that all of you whose fathers are still alive, give them a call and say Happy Father's Day. Because they are fa your father on the earth. And you say, Pastor, you just don't know the kind of father that I have. But he's your father, isn't it? He's your father. And you are a child of God. You are a Christian. If he hates you so much and he's been so bad to you, when he receives a call from you today, he will be surprised. And that will melt him. To realize, actually, I'm just the bad one. My child is actually a good child. You remember the time when David was being chased by Saul. And as David, as Saul was chasing David, there came a place when uh, Saul was very tired and remember in that um, place in what was that cave called? Yeah, the cave had a particular name and when he was in that cave, they were so tired that Saul and his men were sleeping there because they were tired. David came there and his servant said, the Lord has given your enemy in your hand. You must kill him. David said, I can't touch the anointed one. But he took a piece of cloth from Saul's uh, garment. And then he stood in the mountain and then he called. He said, Saul, Saul, look, those people who say I want to kill you, I could have killed you today. This is an example. But I'm not going to touch the anointed one of God. And then Saul said, I can see that I'm actually the evil one. Because I can see. So I want you to set an example even to your fathers, even those fathers that you think they are bad fathers. Can you treat them well? That it should start eating them. To say, why do I behave like this when I'm acknowledged like this? So he says, our father who art in heaven, your kingdom come. Did we read where it says it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? Now when you are reading, now when you say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are acknowledging that things are better in heaven. Tell your neighbor things are better in heaven. But we can live with the benefits of heaven on earth. 
Because he says, your kingdom, your, our father, you are in heaven, but your kingdom come where? On earth. Your will be done where? On earth. As it is in heaven. So I like it when it says, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because I believe things are, are good in heaven. Hmm? Yeah. And I want us as children of God to start experiencing that. Jesus says, you are in this world, but you are not of the world. So he says, your kingdom come. And this word kingdom means authority. So that's what the father has. The father has authority, but the father must use his authority to bless. Must use his authority to bring order even on those that are coming against you. And it says, give us today our daily bread. You see the father who provides. Hmm? When he says, give us today our daily bread, it means the father provides. How many fathers do we have who don't provide? It means you are not representing God. When you are a father, you need to provide. Because our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. So we expect the Father to provide. And our Heavenly Father does provide. So it means it should be a challenge for us as fathers. Let's find means to provide. God expects us to provide like he provides. Amen. And it says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I like this one about a father who forgives. We usually know these things. Uh, it's more common with ladies, isn't it? Huh? But now if you find fathers who are keeping on holding grudges, I'm not saying it's right for you ladies to hold grudges. Eh? <laughs> I'm just saying it's even more worse. When you find a father who is like some of those gossiping ladies, always carrying grudges, Always saying, these people are like this. I heard this and this. This one said that. This one said that. A father should be able to forgive. And do like Jesus. Sometimes forgive them and say they don't know what they are doing. Amen. Because sometimes people will do things to hurt you. But forgive them. You actually free yourself when you forgive. Amen. And he says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I like the thing about deliver us from the evil one. You see the father delivers. Tell your neighbor the father delivers. So my heavenly father delivers. My heavenly father protects. My heavenly father defends me. So our earthly fathers must also learn from our heavenly father to deliver from the evil one, from the enemies. Amen. So when he says, deliver us from the evil one, I realize that we've got the evil one, we've got the enemy who wants to inflict pain on us. The enemy who wants to keep us in bondage, sick, calamities, all the dangers. But Jehovah, he defends us. He's our protector. And I wonder, as we celebrate fathers, let's also think about our heavenly father, how good he is to us. All the things that he does for us as a 
father. Amen. There is an expectation of how fathers should be like because the example of fathers being like our father God, it means we need to learn to represent that father. If you go with me to 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, 1 John chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 in the NIV. He says, I'm writing to you fathers. Okay? John says, I'm writing to you fathers. Why? Because you know him who is from the beginning. So, (laughs) look at that. According to John, he expects fathers to know God. He expects fathers to know their Heavenly Father. So, now, do you know that in many cases, fathers, there are some fathers who are misrepresenting our Heavenly Father. Fathers who don't even have a relationship with God. So, how are you going to teach your family when you don't know God? Fathers who think they know but they don't even know scriptures. You find a father at home, the child actually leads Bible studies. The father doesn't know anything. So it means you are not representing that title well. You remember where we read where he says the title derives its name from the heavenly father? So he says, I write you to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. But he says, now it's like he knew that that was youth month. He says, I'm writing to you, youth or young man. Why? Ish. Youth, how do you like that? I write to you, youth and young men, because you have overcome the evil one. So, John knew that for the youth, you have a lot of peer pressure. You've got a lot of things where the enemy would be like he's got you in his hands. But you can be the kind of youth who say we have overcome the evil one. We do not succumb to peer pressure. We are the kind of youth who can show the world what youth should be like. Okay, the next one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. He's repeating. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. So, youth, we want some energy. Amen. We want some energy, isn't it? Yeah. So, when you show some energy, we like it. So, keep on showing that energy. And may that energy also translate into the energy in life out there. Amen. As you defeat the enemy. Amen. And he says, you do that because the word of God lives in you. And that's how you overcome the evil one. So it's good to have physical power and be strong in your flesh. But it's even more better when it extends to having the word of God in you. And then you can overcome the evil one. Amen. So the thing about fathers being the people to teach. Because he says you have known him from the beginning. So it means if you know God, you can teach your families. Okay? But if you don't know God, 
How are you going to teach your family? And I told you when I began here, as we go to, book of, to the book of Genesis chapter 18, when I began here, I told you that the challenge that we have today of gender-based violence and what men are doing to their children and to their wives is the problem of unguided fathers. Fathers who are not trained. Father who th fathers who think they know when they don't know. Amen. And the only way for you to know it's when you want to learn from our heavenly father. I learn from God. I want to live like God in my life. I want to represent God well. Even in my family. I don't want to even shout to my children or to my wife. I don't do that. So fathers, if you are here and you're shouting, you didn't learn it from God or from me. Yeah, you didn't learn it from this pastor. You didn't learn it from God either. So where are you learning it from? Probably from the other camp. And that's the bad camp to learn from. Amen? Can we be kind of fathers that God would even... Look at how God looked at Abraham. He was so proud of Abraham... And he knew that this is the kind of fathers that I'm looking for. Genesis 18:19 Amplified Classic. Mr. MJ, may you read it for us? Genesis 18:19 Amplified Classic. For I have known, chosen, and acknowledged him as my own. So can can God say he knows you? Any of us fathers here? Do you think God can say, I know this one? This one knows me from the beginning. I know this one. He's representing me well on the earth. Mm -hmm. So that he may teach and command his children and the sons of his house after him to keep the way of the Lord and to do what is just and righteous. Okay. So he says, I know him. So that he, I know he will teach and command his children and the sons of his house after him to keep the ways of the law to do what is righteous. You can only teach somebody something that you know. Amen. So that's why I'm saying the challenge with fathers is sometimes we think we know a lot. People say, what is that thing? It's better to know that you don't know than that there is a certain terminology. In other words, there are people, at least, at least the moment you start knowing that you don't know, it's better. But there are people who don't know that they don't know. That's dangerous. <laughs> Amen? Because when you don't know that you don't know, you think you know. And that's the challenge we have. And you hear a person speaking, and you know this person knows nothing. <laughs> And they think they know. That's a problem. So at least start by knowing that you don't know. And then you can learn. So he says, I know Abraham will teach and command his children and his sons after him to keep my ways and do what is just. That's the expectation that as fathers teach your children, teach your people. Show them the way. 
And then, for the rest of us then, the Bible says God is the father to the fatherless. Even those that may not have physical fathers, we still, all of us here, we've got God as our father. So we should be open to be taught by him. Okay? Let's allow God to teach us. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to us. You see, the word of God is packed with so many promises and so many good things. But your eyes can be blinded and you can't see what is there unless the Holy Spirit reveals that to you. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2 to 4, because it seems like as fathers, I want to look at two things. One, it's at least the honor that the father deserves. And let's give them that honor. Because it says, honor your father and your mother. It's talking to the children. Which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well with you. That you may enjoy long life on the earth. You see, there is a blessing of honoring our fathers and our mothers here on the earth. Children. And all of us who still have our mothers and our fathers. I still have both the father and the mother. Notwithstanding that the, f- the fact that I'm a father myself, but I also have a father. So I still have to honor them. So that I may live long on the earth. So there is a promise attached to honoring your father and your mother. That you may live long on the earth. And sometimes we cut our lives short because we try to retaliate. And sometimes we think we know better. Especially your youth. You think you know better than your mother and your father. And when you were one month old, that's the kind of father or mother who was taking care of you. So if you think she's so stupid, how is it that she raised you to even start thinking? It means you know something. Amen? Honor them. Honor your fathers. So that's why also for me, being a father in the natural, but also being a spiritual father to most of you, I like that honor. It encourages me to do the work of the Lord better. The Bible says, honor your spiritual leaders, respect them, so that when they take spiritual oversight over over you, let them do it with joy and not with grief. Amen. So it's good to honor your father and your mother, it's also good to honor your pastor. It's scriptural. Amen? Amen? Do it. Because when you honor those whom God said you need to honor, you are doing it unto the Lord, and the Lord will reward you. Now, verse 4. <laughs> now, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Other version says, don't provoke your children. It means, fathers, you can be a blessing or you can be an exasperator. So, but we mustn't be exasperators. (coughs) We must be a blessing. He says, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. You see again the training that comes from the Father? Amen. So for those of you where the fathers are not here, 
maybe you are a wife and you are here and you wish you wish your husband was here and you can you know the kind of husband that you have if you were to be scored <laughs> okay this is the criteria here of being a father One, two, three. maybe it's 10 criterion and you look at that and say aha i think for my husband I'm looking at this year up to 10 you remember when we grew up this is not scriptures when it's not scriptures i'll tell you they used to say to some men you are a man just because you wear a trouser <laughs> that's not scripture that's african way of mocking men that's what they used to say in other words they would look at you and say the only qualification we see that you are a man is because you wear a trouser but nothing more but can't we be kind of fathers that represent our heavenly father the by the way the bar is set so high for men it's like this thing you know the scripture that says in ephesians that says women submit unto your husbands as unto the lord okay and it says husbands love your wives not as unto the lord as Christ loved the church now you look at it and see you expect me to love like you Jesus you who says if you are clapped on one side you must give the other cheek and you think i can love like you you who when you were on the cross people who were nailing you you said forgive them and you think i can love like you it means the bar is set high and that's god's expectation so if you ladies thought that it was difficult to submit to your husband as unto the lord it's even more harder to love like christ because that's the standard that's set he says love your wives as christ loves the church He gave himself for the church and he cleanses it and he makes it pure. He protects it. He he wants it to be clean without any spot or wrinkle. Amen. So we must train up our children in the ways of the Lord. Let's go to Malachi. I'm starting to I need to wind down so that we have enough time to celebrate with the fathers and the youth. But you need to know the kind of fathers that the father expects us to be and at the same time we also need to learn all oh, those of us who are not fathers but we can start learning that okay the way that my husband is treating me or the way that my father is treating me he did not learn this from god actually it's good to be a father it's just that this father of ours is not representing the title well then you start inviting your husband or your father to church invite them tell them today when you reach home you say no the pastor blame it on me say the pastor said the problem we have today is the problem of unguided fathers and 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 when they want to fight we say no i'm just saying what the pastor said amen blame it on me and invite them because imagine the things that we are learning here if every father could measure him himself against those criteria don't you think would have excellent fathers would have excellent families there would not even be any reason for divorce 
Because this is the father who is faithful. This is the father who takes care of his family. This is the father who loves his family. Amen. But you know that because of sin entering into the world, sometimes you can find fathers fighting with their children, with their wives. And sometimes it starts from children fighting with their fathers. That's why if you look at this in Malachi chapter 4 verse 6, it was talking about Elijah. When he would come on earth, when he was sent, look at he was, what he was supposed to come and do. Malachi 4 6, Mr. MJ, Amplified Classic. And then you will see that sometimes at homes we fight. Sometimes you even find a fight between the father and the child. The mother and that. And you find we're fighting when we're supposed to be on the same team. Amen? There's this thing I always think of, especially for you husbands and wives. If you, you keep on fighting, you don't need the devil to finish you. You are finishing each other. Isn't it? Yeah. You don't need the devil. You, you are already finishing each other. When the devil comes, he just collects the spoils. Okay? Because you're keeping on, the Bible says, be careful if you are eating each other, if you are devouring each other, be careful. You will finish each other. Okay? So it means in our homes, can we have peaceful homes? And may it start from fathers who fear God. Amen? Yes, fathers who fear God. Unfortunately, those fathers, they didn't come, they turned, they dropped you here and they went back. Take this message and give it to them. It's recorded, it's on Spotify. Amen. Give them as a Father's Day present. Say, I've got, I've got a, a, a present for you. Wrap it nicely. Put it on a stick. That's the present. Amen. Because this is what Malachi was, uh, that what Elijah was coming to do. And I believe I'm doing that as I'm sharing the word with you. Malachi 4, 6, Amplified Classic, Mr. MJ. And he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers to the ungodly children. You see, he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers to their ungodly children. It means because of the enemy, the enemy can come and sow seed in your families where you find that the child is going that way, the father is going that way, and each of them think, I've been uh, hurt or harmed. That's why I'm doing like this. Do you know like when people are fighting, each one thinks they are right. But the Bible says, Elijah when he comes, he shall turn and reconcile the hearts of the estranged fathers to their ungodly children. That's why when we preach the word, we preach the word that speaks both to the fathers and to the sons and to the mothers, to all of us, so that each one of us can do our role to make these things work well. Amen. Each of us have got a role to play. So he turns the hearts of estranged fathers to their children. Mm -hmm. And the hearts of the rebellious children to their fathers. (laughs) You see, it means the Bible knows they can be rebellious children. But as we teach you the word, it turns your heart. And when it starts from your heart, I've got somebody, uh, yeah, at work, this person, lost the wife and then uh, the person he is fighting with his daughter and they are not in good terms. Then I was saying to this person 
but don't you think if you reach out first? So the father was feeling, no, she has, she has disrespected me. She's done this and this, and now they are going this way. So I said, but it can start with you as a father to reach out. But sometimes we think if I reach out first, it will be like I've lost. You know, like it's like it's tug of war. I've, I've got also other people. They are, yeah, they are my friends. The husband and the wife, they are not in good terms. The husband thinks he's right, he's winning. The wife thinks she's right, she's winning. And none of them is winning the family. They are only winning arguments. <laughs> then, then I said, I said to them, you think you're winning, but what are you winning? You, you're losing a family. This is the recipe of losing a marriage. In many cases, when we find people ultimately parting ways and divorcing each other, it's because each of them think they are winning something. Okay? But you are losing the family. Amen. So if he can turn the hearts of fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers, it means it is only God who can change people's hearts. So sometimes you, you, you come to a point where you say, I've spoken, I've talked to him. I just don't know anymore. Keep on praying, brother. That's your only last defense. Pray for him. Okay? Pray. Some of you say, our children, I've taught them the ways of the Lord. I've taught them. Now they are out there. They are on drugs. They are doing all the things. You've done your part. Keep on praying for them. Keep speaking the scripture that says, train up the children in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they will never depart from it. So if they seem to be going astray, it's not over until they come back. Because according to the scriptures, they will never depart from it. So if they are away, that's unscriptural. You come back. And you keep on speaking that word over your children. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, as we begin our descent, let's go to 2 Samuel, chapter 19, verse 1 to 6, and then we will also read 2 Samuel 18:33. We're beginning our descent. I want to show you this story just as an example of the heart of the father. Let me give you the story for free. Okay? (laughs) But you can read it also yourself when you get time. But because I love you, I will tell you the story before we read. David had several sons. One of the sons was called Absalom. You know, that's a very nice name. Absalom was supposed to mean, Abba means father, Salom means, Shalom means peace. So he was supposed to be the father of peace. That's what the father had expected him to be like. But I think of all his sons, I think David had his hands full with Absalom. Okay? Starting from even sleeping with his father's concubines. After that, even wanting to take over the the, the kingdom from the father. So he actually, when people would be coming to the king, he started winning the hearts of people by saying to them, it's just that I'm not the king, you see. If I was the king, so people come with their issues, then he kept on saying, it's just that I'm not the king. If I was the king, I, this thing would have been solved. So he did that for all the people that were coming until the Israelites now started siding with, with him. And he even had enough soldiers to defeat his father and take over the kingdom. And indeed it went like that to an extent that now David had 
that Absalom actually has got more people now on his side than you, David. You've got to run away from your son now. And David had, he was left with the three commanders, uh, um, Job, Itai, and there were three. I think the other one is Hushai. So, they said, we're going to fight. We, we, we can't let this young man do like this. And actually, he might even kill you, David, because if he's taking the kingdom, he can't take the kingdom without killing the king. So he probably would also want to kill you. And David at first says, can I come and fight with you? He said, uh -uh. the man said, no, you are more worth than the rest of us. We will go and fight. Remain here. And as they were going to fight, you know what David said? Even in the fight, please, don't kill my son. <laughs> take care of my son. How do you take care of a rebel? Who's going to kill us? Now, this is the story. So, I've summarized it for you. Now we can read it together. Second Samuel 19, 1-6, NIV. So, you can read, Mr. MJ. Joab was told, the king is sweeping and mourning for Absalom. It was the time when now, what happened is that when they were fighting, so the, the Absalom, his, his, his horse, as it was going, then it went under the, the, the tree and then he was hooked like this. And then one of the soldiers of David said, we see him there and we shouldn't kill him. Then Job said, why? And then he went and killed him. And now when he was killed, they brought the message back to the king that the son is killed. The rebellious son who wanted to take your kingdom. But now listen. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning. Because on that day, the troops had it said, the king is grieving for his son. But why? Why would he be grieving for his son who actually wanted to kill him? If Absalom had a chance, he would have killed David and took the kingdom. Continue. The men stole into the city that day as men still in who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried out aloud. You must cry aloud. Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom. My son. My son. <laughs> then Joab went into the house to the king and said, Hi, today you have humiliated all your men. We have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that it, that it will have been, I see that you will be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Do you see that? But why do you think this thing is coming like this? David, he sees that these are the people who are fighting for him. It's people who are helping him. But now he said, log ahead. Read 1833. Second Samuel. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, 
Oh, my son, Absalom. My son. My son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, oh Absalom. My son. Okay. My son. <laughs> Do you see? What do you think is happening here? Huh? Somebody who was going... So he even says, if only I had died instead of you. That's the heart of a father. Do we still have fathers like that? Do we still have fathers like that? Because you know this child is a rebel. Actually, it would have been good for that child to be killed. And Job was saying, I don't understand you. You actually think it should have been us who were killed, you would have been happy. When we were trying to defend you. Even cast him, he said, and for protecting your daughters, your what, what, and your concubines. <laughs> so, so, so he, he was angry because he couldn't understand. But that's what the love, that's what love is. So sometimes in your families, husband and wife, sometimes you would find you are fighting between the two of you because of the son or because of the daughter. It's going that way and the other one is really fighting. And now the two of you are fighting as if you are the ones who are wrong. But it's because one is moved by love and another one is moved by facts. Amen. Another one sees that, ah, but this is not acceptable. The other one, even when facts are there, because of the love, they are ignoring the facts. Okay, let me give you this story. We're going to the final scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 9. No, let's do it to not Matthew chapter 9. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. Because Matthew chapter 9, I'll just refer to it because we need to learn. So I want to give you this story. Just to show you the love of a parent. <laughs> you can't understand this. You saw how David behaved, isn't it? what somebody who wanted to kill him. There's this story. Uh, my wife knows about it. Um, it's a certain friend of mine. He was sharing this story. <laughs> he shared the story. But it was like a joke. But it, sti- it, it, it remained with me. So my friend had a... He had, he had three brothers. So they were all in all four. Four brothers. One of them was a drunkard. Okay, just a rebel. Drunkard. All the bad things. He doesn't even work. He didn't even, he even left school. And the three, they went to school. They were behaving themselves well. They were good in essence. Now one time they came to the mother. That, yeah. They came, not the rebel one. They wanted to really report this case of this rebel. Hey, mommy, your son is always drinking. He doesn't even have sense enough to even have a family of his own. We don't understand what kind of a son this is. So they talked, they talked, they talked. Thinking that the, the mother would say, yeah, I think he's, a, he's such a bad son, such a spoiled son. You know what the mother said? Uh, this, this matter is very simple, my sons. 
Do you think the three of you, if you join hands and you kill him, do you think he can defeat you? I think kill him and solve the problem. <laughs> so, so that friend of mine says, one by one, they just started moving away now because they realized, mommy is not buying this. But if you look at facts, that guy doesn't deserve to be treated with his kid's glove. But mommy is treating him with kid's glove because it's his son. So sometimes you won't understand it. That's the love of a parent to the child at times. Okay? So, if there can be such love, it means we all can learn and love where we love unconditionally. Where you say, he may be behaving like this, but it's my son. Do you know that people like to be loved and appreciated? Even the bad ones. Even a person who is bad, if you appreciate them, they start behaving. But the more you keep on telling them, this is a tip for, 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 for wives. If your husband is a drunkard and is always doing bad things and coming back home late and say, yeah, you always come back home late. You will end up dying even on the road with the accident. I wish they had killed you where you were. And you think you will win him that way? No. You are just fueling fire with oil. Imagine when he comes like that and now you say, oh, welcome home, my husband. What can I do for you? <laughs> Yo. Yes, this whole family here. My, my husband, what can I do for you? Your wife wants to serve you. Hey, don't you think that <laughs> because now you will be thinking does she have something? Does she want to kill me? <laughs> so she wants to draw me close. So he, he, he just can't understand because when he was coming he was expecting you to shout and get angry. Now the way you're behaving you have actually defied the odds. And he doesn't know how to behave. Ultimately, you will find him saying, yeah. Hey, you know my wife. Really don't understand. Sometimes it's my friends. You see, they keep on. Now he's confessing. <laughs> Amen. 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 <laughs> because you loved him. Yeah. Amen. I know it's difficult. Just like when Jesus says, if they clap you this, you give another one. It's difficult. We can't do it on our own. We need the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's land with Luke chapter 15. Verse 10 to 32. We'll read in the NLT. <clears throat> because I want to say with the Father, our Heavenly Father also wants us to be close to Him. So we'll give you a story here where Jesus gives a story. He gives the example of an earthly father, but He was showing how the heavenly father behaves. I told you, the name father derives its title from our heavenly father. So now, in Luke chapter 15, verse 10 to 32, Jesus says, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels whenever one sinner repents. So he was giving a story about how 
when one sinner or when one person who is lost comes back home, how happy the father becomes. So even our heavenly father, I'm going to make an altar call immediately after this. If you are here and you know that you haven't been living right before God, you have not given your life to the Lord, God is not angry with you. He wants you back home. Amen. He loves you. Amen. He's extending his hand of love to you. So now he gives this example and he says, there is great joy in heaven when one sinner repents. Now, to illustrate the point further. Okay? That's verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further. So we're going to illustrate the point. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate now before you die. Ish. <laughs> Did you see that? The younger son said to the father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So you want to say no? I say he wants it. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. So, children, sometimes agree that parents know better, but sometimes you think you know. You behave like that one. So he went and spent all that he had, wasted all the money. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even when the paws he was feeding, the pigs looked good for, to him. But no one gave him anything. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, that is the part that I'm appealing to. All of you who are here, if you haven't come to your senses yet, if you haven't acknowledged that I need to go back to my father, I need God in my life. The reason why things are like this in my life and in my family is because we've been running this family without God. I need God. So it says, he finally came to his senses. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father. I like this. This young man, he had a lot of bad things, but he had some good things in him. Yes. Firstly, he knew that he had an inheritance with the father, but he also was able to come to his senses. So there's nothing wrong with you having gone astray for some time. Just come to your senses now. Come to your senses and say, I need the father. I need to come back to my father. So he says, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And he, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So how do you think the father would behave when he sees him coming? The one who took what the father had, had and then went and wasted everything. Do you think the father was very angry with him? So the father sees him coming. Go back, go back where you're coming from. I don't even want to see you. Is that the attitude of the father? No. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. 
filled with love and compassion, he ran to his, father, his son and embraced him and kissed him as the father. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Before he even said, make me one of your hired seven. You remember what he recited before. He was still going to say, make me one of your hired seven. The father didn't give him a chance to even say that. But his father said to the seven, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring to his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he had music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. It's almost like the story I told you about that mother. So the elder brother is not understanding now. This guy, he wasted everything and now he comes back and you still treat him like this. So the father, the older son was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. You see the attitude of this son. But the father was still loving. The, so, even those of you who think I'm no longer worthy, I think the things that I've done, I don't think God will ever forgive me. Uh -uh. God is looking for you. He's waiting for you. So his father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. Amen. So I want to just conclude this by saying, looking at this story, you can see the heart of the father. Notwithstanding the fact that this child went and wasted everything. Notwithstanding that this child had been foolish in all that he did. So you might be here and feeling, I don't know why I did that and that. I really regret. You're coming to your senses. And the Lord wants to reconcile with you. It means, as long as you feel that I really need to mend my ways. I want the Lord. I need the Lord in my life. God is not angry with you. He wants you back home. But if you look at this older son, when the father had divided the, it says he divided between the two, isn't it? And the other one went this. The ones that were remaining, whose were they? The elder son. But he didn't know. So the Bible says, my people die for lack of knowledge. So, if you don't know what God has in store for you, you will starve when you are supposed to be feasting. Because the father says, all actually all that I have is yours. You, if you wanted to enjoy with your friends, you could have done so. So this is just an encouragement to all of us who are sons in the house. If you have already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, enjoy the benefits.
All that the Father has is yours. But those of you who haven't as yet come to the knowledge of the Lord, I want to make this call to you. I want to say the Father wants your home. The Father loves you. The Father knows you can't do it on your own. The Father wants you. So as we just play a melody, and I would ask that we stand up, and any of you who need prayer, that you feel that, Pastor, I really want you to pray with me so that my relationship with God may be in the way that the Lord wants, that I can know that I'm a child of God, that I can know that the Lord is accepting me as his child, and I want to live for him. Amen. So the rest of us, we can stand. And if any of you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if maybe you had gone astray and you were doing things like that son, it's time to come to your senses. It's time to come to the Lord and say, I'm coming back home. So if you are there and you want me to pray with you, come to the phone. We're going to pray with you. And the Lord will welcome you. The Lord will welcome your home. Amen. Any of you, if you need me to pray with you, that you must be sure that my relationship with God is in the right place. The Lord said, we shouldn't be ashamed of him before people. Okay? So let's come to him. Are you there? I want to pray now. The Bible says there is great joy in heaven when one person repents and says, I want to come back home. Thank you, my sister, for being bold saying, I really want to be restored with the Father. I really want to be restored with the Father that I can know that God is accepting me on this Father's Day. That I can feel His warm hands around me. Amen. So I'm going to pray. It's fine. I'm going to pray and I'm going to lead you, my sister, in this prayer. We're going to pray this one together. And those of you who are there, join us in this prayer because this is the prayer that all of us need to proclaim. As we declare Jesus as Lord of our lives, as we also declare to say, Father, I've come to my senses. I know this doesn't please you. I want to live for you. Follow me with this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you've forgiven me. I thank you that you welcome me home. Even when my heart tries to condemn me, I know you have not condemned me. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. He died and rose again and now he's alive say Lord Jesus come into my heart 
I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Father, for reconciling yourself to me. Thank you for giving me the peace to know that I'm your child, to know that I'm forgiven, to know that as far as the East is from the West, so far have you separated me from my sins.